Coming to you from Trans Thrive in San Francisco, it's a Shot in the Arm podcast with me, Ben Plumley. Well, regular listeners and viewers will know that I'm also the board president of the San Francisco Community Health Centre, which houses Trans Thrive. And it's an extraordinary, um, amazing jewel in San Francisco's tenderloin, uplifting communities that would otherwise not have access to the kind of social health, uh, employment and um, education opportunities that other parts of the community would have. It's a safety net for those who fall through the safety net. And it's that time of year where we're coming up to the annual show of hope, the San Francisco Community Health Center's fundraiser. And in the show notes, you can find out more about the event itself and how you can support it. So we're here in Trans Thrive. It's designed for and run by our trans community. And well, trans issues have definitely been the latest lightning rod in our culture wars, whether it's violence against trans women of color, whether it's who advertises beer on our television screens, who can participate in sports, and actually who can have access to the kind of medical services that empower and enable lives, indeed save lives. Well, in this episode, we're going to step away from all of that hysteria, and we're going to look at what it really means, and ask those who are directly affected what it's like to be trans in 21st century America. And why spaces like Trans Thrive are so important, so crucial. And our guests today are two of the staff who have been instrumental in setting up Trans Thrive. First up, Monique Campbell. She is the program manager of Trans Services. Monique, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you've been with the centre since... July. July 2022. Mm-hmm. What's the most exciting thing about Trans Thrive for you? The most exciting thing for me would have to be that this is an exclusive space for trans people and ran by trans people. I know that um, in other spaces, it's just a segment of the space that is dedicated to trans people. And so this is just a very unique um, environment. It's a unique program. And it's truly special. You feel the magic when you walk into the space. Oh, that that's certainly true. And you, uh, we can come back to that later in my tears when I, I first came in here. We're also joined by Carson N, who is, prog- who is a program coordinator at the centre. Now, Carson, you've worked for the Community Health Centre since 2016, right? But you were volunteering beforehand. What's kept you here? Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's, huh. it's funny. Cause like, like, it, like from the moment I walked through the doors, I was welcomed here. Like they, they, they would like, you know, Oh, may, uh, like, will you come back again? And I was like, well, you, you're letting me come back. So of course I'll keep coming back. And I, I, it just, it, it eventually became a, a job and then hooray, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things I think it's a, it's a very much a plus an hour um agency that um you know we're so welcome we're very much welcoming and we're very much always like 
willing to look at whoever comes through the doors as, you know, someone who could be around for more than just services. And I, I, I think that's one of the really fun and important things about the center that um, it really does seek to um, look to employ and then build up uh, people from the community, from the communities we serve. It's what's been so, so inspiring to me. But let's talk about Trans Thrive. Um, and Monique, if I could start with you, what are the services that you offer here? Thank you. So we serve, we actually offer the same services as our parent, um, San Francisco Community Health Center. So we're just an extension. But directly in the center, we offer behavioral health. We do have therapists on um, on staff that do see our clients. But in addition, case management and psychosocial support groups, which some of those groups Clarkson facilitates. Um, we also have two of our clothing closets that are geared towards both both sides of the spectrum. So we have She Boutique, which I am actually outfitted by today. Um, and then we have Folk and Swagger, which is a trans masculine um, clothing closet. And are you are you dressed by folk and swagger today, Carson? Um, I mean, this is certainly for folk and swagger. <laughs> yes. Oh, I think the shoes are too. Yes. Which, of course, we can't see, and of course, listeners will only just have to imagine how fabulous they are. Um, but but Carson, tell me, in terms of services for trans men at Trans Thrive. What do they involve? Okay, so every Tuesday from 6 to 7.30, we have our trans masculine support group, which is currently taking place as a hybrid model. So folks can um, either attend online, since like um, a lot of the folks who are attending have autoimmune conditions, so they still aren't comfortable coming to things in person, or they have the option to come in person. And um, a lot of it's just about like finding a space where you could socialize and also ask questions that you would like to ask of other trans masculine folks. Um, a lot of times folks will be supporting folks on like finding out like the answers to that they wanted to have from their medical providers, but they haven't been quite able to get just yet. And um, yeah, uh, sometimes it's funny because it'd be like things where like, we always wanted to play with Legos when we were younger. And I'm like, I can get y'all Legos. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So that's that's part of it. Um, another one we do is TM4M, which is second and uh, fourth Thursdays, and that is a, a space. It's a, it's a program to build space for uh, trans men in gay men communities. Nice. I mean, because you, you you often feel that those well actually services for both trans women and trans men are, um, you know, they 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 can be hard to find and they can be, um, uh, you, you, you know ensconced in programs that perhaps are designed for gay men um and so what is it about why, why is it so important to have a dedicated space monique it's very important to have a dedicated space because as you mentioned trans people whenever they're in other spaces that are um, populated by mostly cisgendered individuals they're oftentimes relegated to roles or positions that don't put them in a space that other trans people know that they're there or that those services are available. It's important to have a dedicated space because we're a home for a lot of trans people where they're displaced or disenfranchised um, at other spaces that you're trying to receive services from. And so it's comforting for them to come to a place that they know is exclusive for them and that they have a team that's dedicated to their advancement, whatever that might be. 
And like Carson mentioned, we definitely try to hire from within the community. We want to show them that this is a place that they can grow from um, and that they can advance. We are the possibility. And the this, the TransDrive uh, Center here was um, funded in part by Gilead Sciences. So there's an HIV component to this. And I'd be really interested in learning a bit more about yeah, what it means for both trans men and trans women. And, and, and so, Carson, perhaps starting with you, what are the services here around PrEP and around treatment for trans men? Okay, so we have a, like drop-in HIV testing throughout the week um, within San Francisco Community Health Center. Um, so that's one of the, that's like one of our major entry points for a lot of folks to come and start, even start services for TransDrive. And then also, like, at least for part of the TM4M, um, uh, there is a component where we're, we encourage uh, folks to, like, how to navigate cruising safely and how to, um, like, talk with the doctors about PrEP and, like, like um, you know, like, a lot of times we'll be, at, like, helping folks, like, find out what's available for them in, in terms, like, in terms of sexual health. So, yeah. Is a lot of this education for providers as well? Um, because... Um, I've read reports um, of trans men. I think this has happened more on the east coast of the United States than on the west coast. But that healthcare providers are saying, "Well, why do you want prep? Why do you want prep?" Yeah, because I think there's like that um, f frustrating part where a lot of times, for like especially provider, like providers don't realize that it's possible to be gay and trans, and. Um, it, it's like it's like a, that's one of the things that makes it a little bit tough about navigating healthcare as a gay trans man is sometimes you'll like find someone who's great about prep and like like all the STI prevention, but the moment you go like about ask questions about reproductive health, it's like, <laughs> and then you go find someone who's great about reproductive health, and then they'll be like, wait, what? Why are you on this medication? And I'm like, I'm like, well, that's for prep. And they're like, I thought it was just an HIV. I'm like, it's for prep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thing navigating the system that way. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I guess, uh, Monique, for trans women, there are, again, a range of very specific um, health challenges that folk have to navigate. Absolutely. Trans women, oftentimes, speaking from my perspective, I would have to go into an, an exam room and oftentimes educate my provider on how to treat me. Um, and so what's unique about our program as it pertains to uh treatment or HIV prevention. We have a, a partnership with CalPEP, which is an organization across the bridge. Um, and that program is nicknamed What's T. And T is an acronym for Transgender Empowerment Altogether. Through that program, we're targeting black and brown trans women between the ages of 13 and 34. And we're bringing them from sex work back into the medicine, excuse me, medical care, where they can receive um, inclusive treatment um, and comprehensive treatment as well from providers that are dedicated on providing care to trans people. And CalPEP, California Prostitutes Education um, Project, mm -hmm. um, is also a friend of <laughs> A Shot in the Arm podcast. And uh, one of our very first episodes, I think, was with its founder, Miss Gloria Lockett. So it's it's fantastic to see that collaboration happen. Um, we touched on this briefly at the start. While there have been services for trans people 
particularly here in San Francisco and the Bay Area, in California, um, what kind of services were they? What were they missing? Um, and why was it so important that you you come together and create this space? I'm an I'm a new uh, resident to the Bay Area after about 18 years. Um, and so I'm still learning about the historical uh, happenstances for trans people. Um, I think Carson might be best suited to share what it was like for trans people historically. Okay, yeah. So like Trans Thrive is actually, it was, it started as part of San Francisco Community Health Center in 2007. And um, like, you know, like, like SFCHC did its best to make sure that there was a space that folks could go to. But again, we would still be sharing space with the, the clinic. And, you know, it was like sometimes like it would be a cause of frustration where like either someone would someone from the clinic would just be walking by and then they'd see us serving food and they're like, why can't I have food? And we're just like, because you're not part of the trans thrive drop in. And they're like, I can be. It's like, are you trans? And they're like, no. So you're <laughs> like. Yeah, so it's nice having our own space now because a lot of it is like, A, this is a lot bigger than we've ever had before. So that means a lot more people can come and it's not as like, it not, doesn't get crowded anymore because it did feel a little cramped when we were just in the room that we had prior. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a unique thing that, um, and, and it's sort of quite odd, you, you'd sort of imagine with HIV prevention services, um, not just in the United States, but around the world, that that services for trans people would be prioritized, but they haven't been. And so, uh, you know, I think this is one of the very first centers that is specifically designed for and by trans people. Um, I interrupted you, Monique. What what were you going to say? Um, I, I wanted to touch on your question that I, I think the landscape of HIV treatment and prevention in San Francisco prior to Trans Thrive's inception um, was scarce. Of course, like it was throughout the nation, people didn't know how to treat HIV, um, really wasn't concerned about preventing it. Um, and trans people were oftentimes not even viewed or seen. And so even in the Tenderloin here, and so, um, excuse me, San Francisco Community Health Center, formerly API, they definitely did some great and courageous work by focusing on HIV prevention and care, um, and then became a FQHC, a federally qualified health center, and now we're flourishing on prevention and care. Um, and then Trans Thrive came about. It was formerly a program that the city actually housed um, and ran. Um, and they were on the brink of, I think, handing it over or stopping that program. And so we took it, we took a hold of it and I think we're about 15 years in now if I'm not mistaken and this is where we are now um, and we're changing the landscape we're making we're changing the trajectory of what it looks like to treat trans people so to give our listeners and viewers a sense of what trans thrive has got as you walk in what are the what are the rooms what are the services that that you know folk could find absolutely so as you walk into Trans Thrive, you walk into 6,000 square feet of dedicated space for trans magic to happen. We have two counseling rooms. One is the Rose Room, 
Um, and the other one is the Legends Room. So they're geared towards whatever um, side of the gender spectrum you feel like you're more comfortable with. We have a conference room. We're sitting in our Trans Thrive drop-in space, which also um, is connected by an outdoor patio space. Um, and then we have a dedicated youth drop-in space for What's Tea. So we have a lot of different rooms, a lot of space, 6,000 square feet to do a lot of things. Um, and we intend to implement uh, some co-working for trans people, a co-working space, excuse me, for trans people who don't find themselves comfortable in other spaces. Nice. So <clears throat> could we could we change tack a bit? And an another reason for why Trans Thrive is so important is because of the experiences that trans people to date have had in living their full lives would it be okay if if we ask you to sort of share some of your <clears throat> some of your stories and you know both the challenges and the 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 opportunities maybe we could start with you monique if that's okay sure um so i grew up the youngest of my mother's children, the youngest of three. And so I had the opportunity of seeing a lot of people make mistakes and attempt to correct them. And it gave me a, a different opportunity to change how I wanted my life to be. And so um, it wasn't a surprise when my mother, when I, when I came out to my mother and let her know that I was not the child that she envisioned me to be. Um, it wasn't the easiest, but it was a journey for sure. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me was navigating life with this new identity um, and not knowing how to navigate through the dissonance of it all. Um, I've had challenges um, with obtaining employment in some, uh, some parts of my transition. It wasn't always the easiest, I, like I mentioned or uh, earlier, was that I've been relegated to roles that were um, not of my training. And so needing to do what I needed to do to survive. And I know I share uh, stories of other trans women um, having to engage in sex work for survival as well. Um, and going through alternative methods, just trying to, to live. But all in all, I I've been able to get my education um, and continue to excel. I'm blessed to now be in a position to where I manage this program and I work amongst my community members, but also my family members. Um, and so I'm just, when I think about my story compared to others, I've been blessed. I have been blessed. Um, and I'm thankful for my journey because it, it brought me here. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And, and Carson, you're here. Uh, what was your journey? How did you get here? Okay. Uh, how I ended up specifically at Trans Thrive was um, a librarian, actually. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, when I was younger, I was, like, one of those kids who had, like, helicopter parents, but also they were... Yeah, so they were always up in my business, so the only place where I had any freedom was the library. <laughs> <laughs> which um yes that's i think that's a little bit amusing but um yeah so the librarian was like i'd always ask her all these questions like you know about like queer stuff and like trans stuff and like um yeah so eventually the librarian's like i'm not equipped for this <laughs> here's a list of centers you could try 
<laughs> and um, so that's how I that's that's part of how I ended up here. Um, yeah, I'm the yes, I'm the oldest of three. Um, I went to private Catholic school like up till college, and it was kind of funny because like the, the like every time I had like questions about this, like the like you had like all the nuns going be like, we can't answer this for you, but. And then they would bounce me to somewhere else. So it was like, just, so like, um, yeah, so I always found that a little bit amusing, which is funny now because all those nuns will call me and say, I have a question on how to deal with trans youth. <laughs> and I'm like, I I'll have an answer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, kudos to the nuns that they're calling you to ask rather than saying, just pray it away. Huh? Uh, yeah, no, I think there's also a little bit of a funny bit there where, like, the same nuns were also like, you can't be a nun because you're on this journey. And I'm like, what, is it the gay thing? They're like, have you figured something else? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you can't come back to us in a few years when you figure out what journey you're on. Then I come back a few years, they're like, oh, you figured it out. And I was like, how do the nuns know I'm queer and trans before I knew? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So as you now have this space, what is it that you hope, um, you know, the next generation of trans women and trans men will have access to? And what will you uplift them? What are your hopes for them? I hope that the next generation of trans men, women, and non-binary individuals can see that there is an opportunity for them to make their dreams come true, whatever that might be. I hope that this staff um, and the community members that engages in our services gives them a, gives everyone an example of what can be. Um, in addition, I, I, I hope that this can be a model for other agencies across the nation to be able to create something much like this. We need this space. Black and brown women are dying at a higher rate. And that's just plain ignorance. We can see that, that there's a causation to that, right? And so this is a model for a, a sanctuary, a safe haven. And it's necessary, it's needed. And Carson, I, I, one of the things I'm most impressed about with you and your work is that you bring a very positive uh, visibility to trans men, trans queer issues. What, what's your hope for the future? I mean, my hope for the future is just that, you know, people get that ch chance to live the journey that they're on, right? Like, especially with, like, so much of the media being focused on trans youth, like, a lot of times what I keep hearing are, like, people in their late teens and early 20s thinking it's already too late for them to start being, like, start considering transition. When, like, you know, like, the wonderful thing about our agency is we see people who are starting their tra medical transition well into their senior years. And, like, you know, like, you know, like, if, I don't recognize some of the ladies who come through the door. Like, if you showed me a picture of who they were when they first came in versus like five years of like accessing services here. I'm like, I can't tell these people, up, I can't tell who these, these were the same person. So like, it's just a lot of times it's just, I, I, I just, I, my hope is that people understand that like, um, you know, like even if you have to wait because of like safety reasons, 
it's never it's never actually going to be too late right like that's just when i i'm like I, I, my hope is just like hang on because <laughs> even if you even if it takes like 10 20 years down the line like you know it's 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 never too late to start mm. yeah do do clients come to transthrive from all across the country or is it very much just a local Mm-mm. all over oh yeah it's it's all over well like um like with my group being digital um we um there's actually quite a few folks who are coming in from the midwest and florida and occasionally even like as far as like brazil or the or the uk so um yeah like uh folks definitely know we exist from all over in addition, if I may add, we've had um, parents actually contacting us from other states, trying um, seeking for us to help them navigate their child's care um, and gender-affirming surgeries. And so in addition to that, we've had people travel and drive overnight from here, uh, excuse me, from other states to San Francisco to seek our services within our program. Um, and we're also helping people who are cur currently incarcerated seek services, gender affirming services. So yes, we definitely are. Um, we're definitely entertained and known by people all over the nation. Well, and particularly in in some states, especially in the the South and uh, and and some of the Northern, actually some of the Midwest states, as you said. I mean, it's got a lot tougher mm -hmm. recently. So have have you seen? Um, demands and interest increase over the last year or so? Hmm. Um, there has been a demand for us to provide a passport of how we can do gender-affirming surgeries or how someone can access them through their provider um, in, other, in other places, other cities and states. There is definitely a, a demand on how we do it since we're seen as a sanctuary state. Um, and uh, a lot of people are looking just for refuge, trying to figure out how can I do it? Or how are you able to do it and safely at that? So we're getting a lot of uh, inquiry about how, just how, right? Yeah. And I guess that's going to mean that that's only going to increase in the coming years. And how we at the San Francisco Community Health Center and at TransThrive are able to meet that growing need, which sort of gets us back to a show of hope oh. and, and uh, raising money for this important organization. And I, I guess my my final question to you is, um, you know, you've got supporters of Show of Hope in front of you. What do you say to them? Well, why invest in this? Can we go first, Carson? Okay. Um, yeah, so why invest in Show of, Show of Hope in San Francisco Community Health Center? Um, honestly, it's because, like, I, as someone who is a medically complex person, I do bounce around quite a few clinics. And, like, the thing that really made San Francisco Community Health stick out was the fact that the folks who are working there were from the community. And, like, you know, like, and... You could see them actively trying to give folks the opportunities to become more involved with uh, running the center and creating groups and like outreaching to their own communities to get 
yet those around them also engaged in care. And that is just something I find super unique and something that should, like, you know, should be encouraged. And, like, the more funding we get coming in through these fundraisers means the more we get to be more creative because, um, yeah, yeah, like, that's the great thing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And in addition, um, trans people deserve the resources. The funds that we receive from Show of Hope goes towards our organization and the work that we do. Not only Trans Thrive, but the other the other departments that San Francisco Community Health empowers. Um, and so it's definitely important to show face, not, not just as a supporter, but um, someone that is a accomplice um, to our advancement in life. And then we have some entertainment. We're recognizing some very important people, Nancy Pelosi, Cecilia Chung, um, and Mayor London Breed. But then we'll also have some entertainment by Martha Wash. So it's going to be a fun evening. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, um, for many people of my generation, well before yours, um, but from London and from, in fact, from Europe from the 1990s, um, Martha Wash, although we may not necessarily know her name, was a huge star as the singer for uh, Black Box, Ride on Time and mm -hmm. Everybody, Everybody. So, yeah, I, I got to say, I can't wait. Um, and so how do people, viewers and listeners, find out about Show of Hope? Where do they go to find more information? sfcommunityhealth.org Wonderful. sfcommunityhealth.org and we'll include that in the show notes as well. So with that, I just want to say thank you so much both for sharing your time today with us but also for the incredible work that, that you do and uh, for giving us the opportunity to visit with you today and, and see the fantastic centre that we have here. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you to Carson and Monique and everyone at Trans Thrive and the San Francisco Community Health Centre. Thank you to Eric Aspera, our director and producer, and to our cameraman, Dmitry Nikolaev. Finally, a big thanks to you. You can find out more information about A Show of Hope and indeed the San Francisco Community Health Center itself at its website. And again, information about that will be in the show notes to this episode. Have a great week and a safe week, everyone.